0: This week's episode is brought to you by Star Wars Rebels Season 2, coming to DVD and Blu-ray on August 30th. Hello and welcome to Communicore Weekly, the greatest online show in home of the world's first pair of independently born identical twins.
1: I'm George and I'm Jeff and we're going to take another uh, time travel trip today in our swan boat time machine. Yeah, aren't we George.
0: I'm, yeah, I'm worried about the the cost though. That
1: rental insurance is getting pretty high from uh, well, we Dr. gotta Scott. pay it I mean we don't want to return it with a ding and they get all those extra costs for repairs I, I mean I, I mean you know Dr. Scott's really good about it but at the same point I mean I understand I mean it's not easy to replace time machine parts so like he wants to protect everything yeah well so, I didn't mean to get the Cheetos everywhere the last well, time I, I don't know why you keep breaking that up and he's gonna remember that we didn't pay that bill yet oh ouch I guess yeah I probably should move on then all right let's go
0: it's time for Disney
1: Walt Disney World officially opened on October 1st, 1971. Not everything was ready to go on opening day, and the entire month of October was set up for press junkets and testing, in addition to letting the general public in. In addition to the Magic Kingdom, uh, the Contemporary Resort and the Polynesian Resort were both open on October 1st. Fort Wilderness didn't open until November 19th, 1971.
0: And during the first month of operation, guests had a few ways to get from the parking lot to the Magic Kingdom. Of course, there were trams available to get you to the Ticket and Transportation Center, but when Disney realized that the monorails and the boats were getting a little too crowded and taking too long, they opened up the parking lot trams to take people to the Magic Kingdom entrance by way of the road leading near the Contemporary. And during the first year, the ports of Call and the Southern Seas were used to ferry guests from the TTC to the Magic Kingdom. And both ships were the Osceola class. The, uh, the three ferry boats that they had in existence for all wouldn't
1: operate, uh, operate until later in the decade. The Mark IV monorails were in operation and made stops at the two hotels, the TTC, and the Magic Kingdom. Of course there were buses, but they used a color-coded flag system to get you where you needed to go. Which means I would've never got there because I'm colorblind. Ooh yeah, good point. (laughs) So there were several motor trams, or buses as we call them today, Um, but not a lot of information on them exists. Um, Because it got so busy, the steamships were mainly used for resort transportation. Uh, They were pulled into use for moving the crowds from the TTC to the Magic Kingdom.
0: So moving on to the Magic Kingdom, let's take a look at what was available to do on that first day. So the Magic Kingdom opened at 8.35 a.m. on Friday, October 1st. Jack Lindquist picked the first family of walt disney world the windsors who were showered with free tours and a stay that evening at the polynesian Uh, they were also awarded silver passes to the magic kingdom and if you want to hear lindquist's actual story of the windsors and how he felt he made a huge mistake with them then check out his fantastic
1: book in service to the mouse (laughs) so uh let's head down main street usa The attractions are the Walt Disney World Railroad, which was actually a Grand Circle tour. Uh, The Frontier Land Station wouldn't open until May of 1972, and it was a D ticket. The Main Street Cinema was a B ticket, and all of the Main Street transportation options were an A ticket, and that was the Omnibus, the horse cars, the horseless carriages, uh, the Jitney, and the fire engine. And you can also visit the Penny Arcade.
0: And Main Street had the largest concentration of shops and stores. They had the Chapeau. The Camera Center, sponsored by Gaff. Main Street Bakery, sponsored by Sarah Lee. The Art Festival. The Crystal Arts. The Main Street Market House, sponsored by Smuckers and Dixie Crystal Sugar. The Shadow Box. The Tobacconist. The House of Magic. Which, of course, the description was a novelty shop selling magic tricks, toys and games, rubber snakes, and fun items. Yay. Uh, (laughs) And it features a stage where magicians perform and demonstrate magic tricks. Of course, there was the Harmony Shop, the Walt Disney World Emporium, and the description read, records, books, women's and men's accessories, dolls, toys, decorative gifts, jewelry, and souvenirs are only few of the items sold. The Emporium is truly the mini department store of Walt Disney World. And then they had the greenhouse, and the final shop is the cup and saucer which carried crystal, ironstone, ceramic, and china goods. And I have no idea what ironstone actually is. I don't know either. That's interesting.
1: Hmm. Okay. So, if you were looking for some food and refreshments, you had plenty of choices. Uh, there was the Town Square Cafe, sponsored by Oscar Miner, and they served crepes, jambalaya, and chicken cachor. Uh There was the Crystal Palace, uh, with a chicken Marco Polo and stuffed pepper. There was the Plaza Ice Cream Parlor, sponsored by Borden's, and the Refreshment Corner, sponsored by Coca-Cola.
0: Okay, and as far as entertainment, there was actually quite a bit on Main Street. You had the Walties New World Band, the Keystone Cop Quartet, the Town Band, the Barbershop Quartet, the Crystal Palace Trio, Disney Characters on Parade, and the Refreshment Corner Ragtime Piano Player. So the Walt Disney World Band heralded the opening of the Magic Kingdom with a parade from Cinderella Castle to Town Square. They also played at Town Square from 11.15 to 12.00 noon and in front of Cinderella Castle at
1: 1.00 to one thirty. The Walt Disney World Character Parade began at Town Square at, uh, 12.30 and at 5.30. Uh, it, it featured the Walt Disney World Band and the Liberty Square Fife and Drum Corps. And of course, there were several other areas you can visit, even if, just to walk around. Uh, there was the Main Street Station, the Walt Disney World City Hall, Walt Disney World Fire Department, uh, the Main Street Car Barn, the Magic Kingdom Baby Center, and Town Square.
0: Okay, so let's head over to Adventureland and look at the attractions that were available there. The Jungle Cruise, of course, was an e-ticket. The Safari Club which was actually Walt Disney World's first extinct attraction, and it was an arcade that closed in the spring of 1972. Absolutely fascinating. And there was a Swiss Family Treehouse, which was a B ticket, and Tropical Serenade, presented by the Florida Citrus Growers, was an E ticket.
1: If you were looking for some adventurous shopping, then Adventureland had you all covered. There was the Adventureland Bazaar, uh, the Tiki Tropic Shop, uh, the, which was Polynesian, uh, the Magic Carpet, which ha- was Persian-themed, uh, Oriental Imports, LTD, uh, from the Far East, Traders of Timbuktu, which was African, and Tropic Toppers. Uh, merchandise in the Bazaar ranged from Polynesian mumus to African wood carvings. And I really just wanted to hear you say the word moo-moo. Basically, yes. Moo-moo is a fun word to say.
0: (laughs) And there were three dining establishments in Adventureland. There was the Adventureland Veranda and Chicken Fiji was one of the four entrees that was offered. There was the Veranda Juice Bar and the Sunshine Tree Terrace, sponsored again by the Florida Citrus Growers. And as far as entertainment, there was the Joyful Adventureland
1: Steel Drum Band. Frontierland offered a few more diversions in the adventures and attractions category. You had Davy Crockett's Explorer Canoes, which were a C ticket, uh, the Mike Fink Keelboats, uh, which were a B ticket, the Frontierland Shooting Gallery, which was a B ticket, and the Country Bear Jamboree presented by Coca-Cola and Frito-Lay with an E ticket. What a weird sponsorship opportunity there. Exactly.
0: And I still can't imagine why you would pay somebody a C ticket to let you paddle a canoe. I have no idea. We did that at Disneyland, and I was like, do the never work. again. Yes, you do the work. Okay, so uh, the Mile Long Bar, which was sponsored again by Pepsi Cola and Frito-Lay, was the food option, uh, while you could also shop to your heart's content at the Frontier Trading Post, which offered toys, leather-fringed jackets, because that's what everybody wants to wear in Florida. Of course. Moccasin, turquoise jewelry, and cattle horns. I mean, how else were those cattle going to play music if we oh, took their horns? Who knows? They're
1: really good. They have a good horn section. Know. Yeah.
0: So as far as entertainment, there was the Bluegrass Band and in quotes, Dead Eye Dolly at the Mile Long Bar. No idea what that was. And also the uh, Mariachi Band was in the area. <laughs>
1: So, if you mosey over from Frontierland to Liberty Square, you know, you could see what things you could do over there. There was the Haunted Mansion, which was obviously an Mm e-ticket. The Hall of Presidents, which was also an e-ticket. The Admiral Joe Fowler was a d-ticket, but he didn't actually open until October 2nd. And you could visit the Diamond Horseshoe. Now, the Diamond Horseshoe actually featured five daily shows of rollicking family fun filled with music, comedy, and, of course, Can-Can Girls for Dad. Exactly. Um other entertainment options featured the liberty square
0: fife and drum corps and this was described as a precision drill and parade through liberty square between 10 a.m and 6 p.m that's a lot of time that's a very long time there was the liberty tree tavern singers and the banjo duo uh, at the riverboat landing and you could stop and get a meal at the liberty tree tavern which boasted seafood chicken and steak served with desserts such as Indian Pudding and Fruited Brown Betty. And you could do a little shopping at the Tri-Cornered Hat Shop, because the other shops weren't quite open then. Like the-
1: <laughs> now, you had to travel second star to the right and straight on until morning to get to Fantasyland. <laughs> but there, it had one of the largest collections of adventures and attractions also. So It's a Small World was an E ticket. Uh, Skyway to Tomorrowland was a D ticket. Dumbo the Flying Elephant was a C ticket. Peter Pan's Flight was a C-Ticket, but it actually opened later in the month. Uh, 20,000 Leagues Under the Sea was an E-Ticket, but wouldn't open until October 14th. Cinderella's Golden Carousel was an A ticket. The Mickey Mouse Review was an E ticket. Snow White's Adventures was a C ticket and not yet scary, as you would notice. Mm-hmm. And Mr. Toad's Wild Ride was a C ticket. Um, and the Cinderella Castle and Pinocchio Village were also available to visit, but not for any sort of ticket whatsoever.
0: Exactly. Lot to do.
1: Oh yeah, in tons of stuff in Fantasyland.
0: So they also had a few places to eat. King Stefan's Banquet Hall, which was noted for serving exotic menus along with elegant service and entertainment. There was the Troubadour Tavern, the Tournament Tent, and the Pinocchio Village House, which I love these foods, which featured Geppetto's Special Plate, no idea what that was, Monstro's Seafood Special, which sounds weird, and Stromboli's Chili and Beans that makes sense sure um yeah you could also pick up souvenirs at the mad hatter the fantasy art fantasyland art festival and castle camera but but you know as far as entertainment you could also see the pearly band various walt disney characters the polka band, and contrary to popular belief, Weird Al never played in this band.
1: Refuse to believe it.
0: Exactly, I would. Yeah, and the uh, kids next door, which was quote a sparkling up tempo show featuring music, songs, and dance on the Fantasyland Terrace with five shows daily, but they did not grow up to be new kids on the block or boys to men.
1: I do you know not what? believe that one either. See, yeah, there we go. So after you leave there, you head over to. The future, where or when is it? I'm not. I'm not sure. Oh, I'm getting confused. But we can just experience the future there. Whatever. Um, but unfortunately, at the time, there wasn't much going on at all. Um, the main attraction was the Grand Prix Raceway presented by Goodyear, which was a C ticket, and the Skyway to Fantasyland, which was a D ticket. And you can stop by the Tomorrowland Terrace sponsored by Coca-Cola for food and refreshments. Um, you can. Looking for a souvenir, you can stop by the Skyway Station Shop, which might be the most descriptive name <laughs> I've ever heard. Um, but and as far as entertainment, there was a listing for the Dallas soundtrack, Soundtrack Two Words, which has been described as a cover band and a fast-paced group of the use. That means they had no idea what it was.
0: Yeah, it, there was just very little information about some of this stuff. Uh, just amazed me when we were doing the research as to what we really have no idea what some of this stuff actually was. Just lost to Walt Disney World history. Exactly, exactly. But, you know, if you have any memories of the first month or two of Walt Disney World's opening, we would love to hear from you. Or if you have any information about any of these, like, what was
1: Monstro's seafood plate? I'm more concerned I, about Geppetto's special plate. I want to know yeah, what that's was true. that.
0: We want to know what a special plate was, you know. if we Hopefully nobody broke it. But, you know, give us a call on the Communicore Weekly GOAT line at 424-785-4628. That's four, two, four, seven, eight,
1: five, GOAT. He's a we all like to hear him speak. So listen up to the words from his ah! It's George's Book of the Week.
0: So for this week's Book of the Week, I'm going to go back in time to an earlier Communicore Weekly to share a book that fits in really nicely with our, uh, I guess we didn't call it a trip report, our history segment. Sure, we could do I that. I guess. Yeah, oh, well. yeah. We'll call it that one. Trip report but to the past. That was it. So, but this one we featured way back in episode sixty-nine, and it's the story of Walt Disney World, the commemorative edition, and this book is a really interesting part of Walt Disney World history. Uh, I've talked to so many Disney fans, and including an Imagineer that actually remember becoming obsessed with this book in the 1970s after a visit to the Vacation Kingdom of the World. Uh, you may have seen this book, it's, it's a very large, it's like 11 by 17, and it's a D-shaped, shaped like the letter D, and it's a book with a black cover and a cutout in the middle of the cover that features a photo of Cinderella Castle peeking out from the, the cutout. And it's one of those books that you would just sit at, sit, uh, sit, <laughs> sit down with and look at for hours on end and we know that there are plenty of different editions so you can always find uh, one relatively cheap on eBay or second hand but we can't find one past 1980 so I'd love to hear from you if you've got one of those with a copyright date later than 1980 so for collectors for people that really have an interest there are two different editions one ran from 1971 to 1976 and the way to tell is by looking at the uh, two-page map that's in the center of the book the first one has the uh, amazing Walt Disney World wall map that is sort of currently being offered as a reproduction in some areas. It's one that hang on the walls of the contemporary and the Polynesian. And the second map in the 1976-1980 edition was more of a fun style map with a more caricatured look at the Vacation Kingdom. So the reason why I love this book so much is it's the uh, second release by the company to promote the property. And it's it's only 48 pages but it's a, it's a behind-the-scenes visit to the Vacation Kingdom. And it's something that we don't see from Disney any longer. The book's full of construction photos from the Magic Kingdom and other parts of the Walt Disney World property. And there's a lot of text that talks about the history of the property as well as the construction. And I love the photos of Walt, Roy, Card Walker, Marvin Davis, you know, walking around the early construction site as they were putting a giant X down where Cinderella Castle was going to be. <laughs> love it so this is uh, another essential book one that everybody needs to own and it's one of the few titles that really offers a a look at the construction of Walt Disney World and it it does actually focus on a lot of the signature attractions like the Hall of Presidents and the Country Bear Jamboree with a a lot of info on the development of those attractions but there's also a section uh, entitled modular magic in construction and Walt Disney World Armada, and How to Build a Castle. So it's it's just nothing short of awesome. So if you get a chance, pick up a copy. Pick up multiple copies so you can make sure you get one of each edition. But this week's book is The Story of Walt Disney World, the Commemorative Edition. If it's a legend that you seek, come on and take a peek at the window of the week.
1: This week's window is located in Disneyland and it reads New Century Character Company, Custom Character Design and Parade Illuminations. Bill Justice, Massive, Massive, wow, Master <laughs> Delineator. He wasn't a big dude, so (laughs) apologies to Bill Justice. Man. Anyway, speaking of Bill Justice, uh, he first joined the Walt Disney Company as an animator in 1937, where he worked on such classics as Alice in Wonderland, Fantasia, and Peter Pan. And then he joined Wed Enterprises in 1956 at the behest of Walt. And he programmed many of the uh, audio-animatronic figures for Mission to Mars, Pirates of the Caribbean, uh, Great Moments of Mr. Lincoln, and more. And he was also involved in creating the spectacular costumes used in many of the Disneyland parades, including the very first Disneyland Christmas Parade and the Main Street Electrical Parade. And again, he was not a Mastiff <laughs> delineator. That was my mistake. He or was a master.
0: Mast- he could have been a Mastiff. That's a you know, type he, of dog, but it's yeah. different.
1: Good work, Scooby-Doo Bill Justice. We salute you.
0: Scooby-Doo
1: <laughs> Okay.
0: Sometimes you might see it, sometimes you don't. Hey, look, what's that? It's a five-legged goat.
1: <laughs> now, we all know about the fabled but never built Western River Expedition, uh, Expedition that was meant to be built for Walt Disney World's Magic Kingdom. And we actually talked about it way back in Season 1 in Episode 30. So while the attraction never became a reality, portions of it were placed in various rides around, uh, such as um, Phantom Matter, living with the land, Splash Mountain, and of course, Big Thunder Mountain Railroad. So when you're in the queue for Big Thunder Mountain now at Walt Disney World, uh, the Magic Kingdom, if you take a look around, you'll find some crates that are marked Western River Explosives, kind of as a nod to the never-built attraction. Or, they're actual explosives to build, blow up Big Thunder so they can actually build Western River. Either or. I, I, don't, I don't care either way.
0: Mm, I think that's a pretty exciting idea.
1: I think so they too. Could.
0: Yeah, yeah. So something else that's pretty explosive is our Year of a Million or So Lunar Time Cadets Nailed weekly it. prize giveaway. Good work. Yes. Good work. Yes, I try. Well, when you give me good material to work with.
1: That's a thing. I don't have good material every easy. week.
0: Well, <laughs> I didn't say that. Um, so uh, for those of you who uh, might be living under proverbial Big Thunder Rock or Western River Rock <laughs> or something like that, we have been giving away a prize uh, for more than a year. <laughs> We're going on over one World's and a half. Exactly, And you just have to email Weekly at gmail.com with your name and address and birthday so we can enter you into the drawing and you can win a prize and we can send it to you. But uh, now it's Jeff's turn, so with the prize, winner,
1: yay. So, yeah, this week is a Communicor Weekly prize pack and the winner is Tracy B. from Chicago, Illinois. That's awesome. So,
0: again, don't forget to uh, email communicorweekly at gmail.com so you, too, can be a winner.
1: Because you want to be a winner. Yes, everyone wants to be a winner.
0: Well, all cadets are winners.
1: Well, I mean, yeah, but some of them are more winners than others because they win a prize. That's true. More winnier? Yeah, yeah okay.
0: Yeah, we'll go Winniest. with that. So, okay. All right, well... Uh, Geez, thank you so much Winnie Winnie Cooperish yeah oh we just jumped on there's some people who won't have no no idea (laughs) what we're talking about no favorite reference for that reference none whatsoever Uh, it's not from a horror story
1: no I will give you that much
0: okay so uh, thank you guys so much for watching and listening to another episode of Communicore Weekly
1: however you get the show YouTube, iTunes leave a comment leave a rating we'd love to hear from you
0: Yes, and again, email us at communicorweekly at gmail.com to enter the contest or send us something cool. We're okay with that.
1: Yeah, and you can also like us on Facebook at facebook.com slash communicorweekly. And follow us on Twitter, Instagram, and Periscope. I'm Adam Imagine Nerding. He's at Jeff Heimbach. You can also call us on the Communicor Weekly GOAT line at 424-785-4628. And make sure you can visit, uh, or you, you are more than welcome to visit
0: spreadshirt.com where you can pick up some incredible
1: cadet styled shirts and there's still plenty of time to get your official cadet membership card or sticker Just send a self-addressed stamped envelope to Communicore Weekly, P.O. Box 432 Orange, California 92856 and make sure you visit communicor no well do visit communicorweekly.com but also visit patreon.com slash
0: Weekly to find out how you too can support the greatest online show For Jeff
1: Heimbach, I'm George Taylor. And for George Taylor, I'm Jeff Heimbach. Thanks so much for listening, guys and gals. We'll see you next time on CommuniCore Weekly, the greatest online show.